0: All right, welcome everybody to Vertical Church. I'm Pastor Josh, I'm the pastor here. On behalf of my wife, Jessica, and the rest of our team, we just want to say we're so glad you're with us today. We know you could be a lot of places today, but you chose to be here, and we feel really honored by that, so thank you. If it's your first time with us today, just want to say we're so glad you're hanging out. Uh, Many of you, if it's maybe even your first time in church, if it's your first time in church today, it's been a long time, I just want to let you know you're my hero today. I'm so excited you decided to come, so welcome. Uh, If you're watching online, so glad you're with us today, however you may be, wherever you may be watching. I want to let you know that there's a chat section. You can help me preach the sermon today, interact in there. Let us know that you're watching. You can also share the page to your friends and family on Easter as well. So thank you for hanging out with us that way. Hey, before I pray, just want to remind you, we're finishing up a series. It's kind of a, we called it like a three-part sermon actually, where we've been talking about the greatest story ever told. And in week one, we looked at the beginning of the story, which is that God created us and he loves us and he's got a plan for us. And so he created us, but he created us with a choice and we know know, that Adam and Eve made the wrong choice and uh, it then brought chaos into this world. And many of us would say, well, man, if I could just see Adam or if I could talk to Eve, I would be like, what are you doing messing all that up? But the reality is even us, we kept the tradition going. We, we made the wrong choice and we still make the wrong choice. And so now it's creation, chaos, but then God had a remedy for all of this and it was the cross. Aren't you so grateful for the cross? And so today we're going to wrap it up by talking about the cross on Easter. So let's pray. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful uh, that you're with us today. Resurrected King, uh, victory over it all. Lord, I thank you that that victory is not only your victory, but Lord, it's also our victory. Because of grace, Lord, you opened doors for us that we couldn't open on our own. And so, Lord, we just say thank you for it. And we ask that you speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. I was doing research for this series called The Greatest Story Ever Told, and uh, the gospel message is the greatest story ever told. But when I was looking, I ran into some stories that were not so great and kind of funny, but also sometimes sad. And since, like Daniel said, we're allowed to have fun in church, you may have grown up in a church where you're not allowed to have fun, and that's just not true. And we like to have fun here at church. So I saved a couple of them that I want to share with you that are some stories that I came across um, that are, are definitely not the greatest story ever told. So here's the first one. It's for kids. You can't be an astronaut. It's just not realistic. It's not a good, that's not a good book. That's not the greatest story ever told. Uh, This other one's helpful, but lead paint, delicious, but deadly. Weird that we made that for kids, but that's it. Helpful, but no good. Uh, Another one here is, um, who cares about elderly people? Now, I actually think they meant well. They just didn't word it well, you know, actually, because we do care. Um, Another one here, this one's really helpful. I I was saying that these aren't good books, but I purchased that one. It's been helpful. <laughs> Not because Jehovah Witnesses, just even some Christians I hide from. So next one here is just sad. Why are we even yeah. <laughs> First you're sad, then you laugh a little. Because <laughs> it is actually still funny. And then um some of them are just good for us to know. Michigan State 101 my first text board book. But what's interesting is the scale of education for Sparty fans. Age one to freshman is all the same. It's just you don't really grow from age one to that's Spartan fans there. It's fun to have, che- have fun in church, and, and it's fun to pick on Spartans. But the reality is we do have and know and even live in the greatest story ever told. The gospel message outweighs anything that's ever even come to this earth. Uh, The gospel message is absolutely unbelievable. What's incredible about it when you think of it, Is that, you know, the impact that it's had even 2000 years later, we're going to begin to describe some of the impact that that this man, this real human being, God coming down, taking on flesh and blood, this man who dwelt among us, the impact that he had. Now, we would never really even be able to come close to recognizing the impact, but we get little glimpses of it. Uh, Sometimes if maybe a celebrity passes away and you log onto your Facebook and it feels like every person on your Facebook is saying something about that person, you might feel that impact for like a weekend. Man, every time I go on social media, we see whatever, but it doesn't last for 2000 years. How many know what I'm talking about? And when we think about Jesus, we think about right now at this moment, 3 billion people currently on Easter morning are going to be worshiping all over the planet. Not only worshiping all over this world, but also in heaven. Our loved ones that have gone before us are also worshiping. How many of you know that they're up there in heaven saying, oh, Daniel, that was a good song, bro. Let's get that. (laughs) And they're worshiping and and we're joining them in this worship. Uh, Statistically, right now, Easter morning, and I know time zones are different, but we're all joining. One out of three people, one out of every three people on the planet are celebrating the resurrected king today. We think everybody watches the Super Bowl. Oh, the Super Bowl. Certainly, everybody tunes in the Super Bowl. Everybody at the same time is watching the Super Bowl. But the Super Bowl rating is only about 115 million viewers. And 3 billion people are celebrating a resurrected Christ right now. How I many you know he wasn't just a brilliant marketer or some guy who really just pulled off the biggest pyramid scheme and duped everybody? How I many you know he is a true risen king to have this kind of impact? The church is growing faster than it ever has. The church, especially outside of America, is growing at rates that it never has. The church is larger than China, Europe, and the United States combined. So if the body of Christ all gathered at one time, it would be larger than China, Europe, and the United States. It has more languages, speaking Christian-speaking languages, uh, than the United Nations. What's interesting is it all started with numbers like 12 the 12 disciples. Then we saw there was 120 followers. And then we see 2,000 years later, 3 billion people. It's amazing because Jesus never actually wrote anything down for us. You got to remember, he specifically uh, didn't, of course, go to the printing press. They didn't even, have, and so for him to give us this, like, here's the thing, he didn't even write anything down, and yet he transformed the world with his message. As a matter of fact, uh, we have more books about Jesus Christ than we do anybody else. We have the best time, or the uh, all-time best-selling book, the Bible, is the bestseller every year. Annually, it's the best-selling book of all time. Uh, we have more art. Nobody has more art, statues, building, architects, or songs written about him than the resurrected King Jesus Christ. He made an impact. This story, the greatest story ever told is an absolutely unbelievable story. Jesus never traveled more than 200 miles, yet right now worldwide worship will happen from Africa to Antarctica to Australia. Worldwide impact happened because of this man. We also see that history is literally split by the resurrection. You have A.D., You have B.C. and A.D. Literally every time you celebrate your birthday, you're actually pointing to the historical stamp that was made by Jesus Christ. It's the greatest story ever told. We see this story uh, given to us by the, the Bible. We have the Holy Bible, and it's made up of 66 books, and it has a beautiful synergy to this story, the greatest story ever told from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament to the book of Revelation. It's just the most beautiful, fluid gospel story. Check it out. Look, at here's the arches of how everything corresponds together from the beginning to the end. It's just the most brilliant thing that I think we could ever even hear of but also be a part of because we are... A part of those stories, right there. The scripture is such a beautiful thing, and we've been saying uh, these cross references right here, where the Bible cross references references itself in this greatest story, happens sixty three thousand seven hundred and seventy nine times, is what you see on the screen there, because it's such a brilliant story. We've been saying for the last couple of weeks, though, it, it's not so much that it happened, that it all happened. We know there was creation and chaos and all these things. It's not enough just to know that it happened. We need to ask ourselves, why did it happen? And then we need to ask ourselves again, why is it happening and how is it happening in our life now? And so we know that Jesus came out of the grave and we know that he's resurrected and sitting in heaven. But but why does it matter right here today? Why are you sitting in this moment right now? And I believe it's because there's some great truths that God wants to speak to you today. Can I get an amen? Um, The way that we tell our stories in the hour that we live is is mostly through movie. Of course, we use music and poetry and we use theater and all these things. But most people would really get stories consumed through movies or TV. And if you were to ask somebody, hey, what's that movie about? Tell me about that movie. And uh, you would say pretty quickly what the movie's about, the one thing. But the reality of the movie is it has several things that happens through it. So you'd say, okay, that's what it's about, but what happened? And so you'd go through, well, this guy was this guy, and then this thing happened to him, and then he had to do this thing. And they would tell you a few parts of the things that make up the story of the movie. And that's what we've been doing for the last couple weeks. We're saying, this is the greatest story ever told. What are the things that happened in it? Well, there was creation, chaos, and the cross. But what is the story? What is the point of the greatest story ever told? What is the point of all of this? I know all these things happen, but what is it about? And the thing that it is about is also my one and only point today. And that is this. This is what the gospel message is about. This is what it all comes down to. And it's that God loves you. God loves you. I know people don't like it when people say it this way, but he's crazy about you. We know he's not crazy, but he can't stop thinking about you. You could even say it this way. God is obsessed with you. His creation, his mankind, his people, he loves. He doesn't stop thinking about us. God loves you. As a matter of fact, he loves you more than he's ever loved anything. He gave everything for us. God loves you. You say, no, I grew up in a church where where I heard that if I don't do this, and God's going to do that, and there's going to be this, and there's going to be that. The reality is that God loves you, and he doesn't stop loving you. Can I get an amen today? So what is the greatest story ever about? God loves you. He loves you. Uh, John three sixteen begins to tell us this. It says, of course, many of us know this scripture, but for God so loved the world. He wasn't interested in us. He wasn't curious about us. He wasn't kind of wondering about his cur- He was in love and is in love with us for God so loves us that he gave his one and only son, his one and only, which means it was his best. When you truly love something you give it your best, don't you? When you one of the ways that you can tell how much somebody loves you is are they giving you their best. And God gave us his best. It says whoever believes in me shall not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son to pay our debt. We don't like paying debt, even when we know we're responsible for it. I mean, you, know, you go out, you charge the card up a whole bunch and that part's fine, and then you get the thing in the mail and you're mad about it. Let's oh, go and make me pay for this. Oh, credit cards. Like You did that. <laughs> Imagine being Jesus, all powerful, all perfect, no sin, all, all, all knowledge, all the things that he has. And yet he chooses, God chooses to come down, put on flesh and blood, walk among people and pay our debt for us. That's insane. Who, what kind of person does that? A person who truly loves us. Because I don't know about God. He's the angry lightning bolt throwing. When I look at God, I see somebody who did some unbelievable things because of his love for us. Yeah. He came and he paid on a debt that was ours. He took it on his body. Perfect man paying for the sins of the world. And you know, it wasn't a quick thing. Many of you know this, and it's even hard to talk about in a setting like this. But he didn't come in and, and just have one quick thing happen to him, and then he paid for our sins. He came in and he endured tremendous suffering. I would actually go as far as to say he suffered more than anyone has ever suffered. You say, well, no, other people went to the cross and other people have done that kind of thing. Yeah, but they weren't all-knowing, all-powerful and sinless people. He put the most on the line. And so he suffered, in my opinion, more than anyone has ever suffered. Here's some of the things that he had to endure on our behalf as he paid our debt. Uh, We know that an all-powerful, all-knowing, perfect, sinless man, we know that he endured betrayal, abandonment and rejection. You know, it's hard to be falsely accused. You're doing something in your life and someone falsely accuses you. You say, well, hold on a second. That's not true. I'm going to. And you want to get him. Imagine being the perfect man who had to stand and endure rejection, abandonment, false accusations. He did it on our behalf. That, that to me is one of the harder things that he did through this whole process. He even said, don't you know, I, I can call down all these angels. I could, but because of my love for my creation, I'm not going to. We saw that he endured 39 lashes, these whippings on his back made up of these whips with many of you know, either jagged bone or, or rough stone in glass and uh, 39 of them on his back. The reason they did 39 is because 40 was known to kill a person. And so he took 39 of them on his back. And many people think he got scratches on his back. He got whipped and it caused scratches. But these were designed to actually grab the flesh and rip it off of his back. This is what he endured for us because he loves us. We see that the crown of thorns were ca- perfectly created uh, to do structural damage to one's head. They were designed to not just set on one person's head, but to actually implant themselves on one person's head. Now, many of you have ever reached into the wrong place in the weeds or whatever, and you've got our tiny little pricker scratches. And the rest of the day, oh, I'm all itchy and torn up those thorns. Oh, I hate those things. We're talking about thorns, a crown of thorns that were created and put in fashion and form to be embedded on our Savior's head. But then uh, historians also believe that when they say that the, 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 the guards or the uh, soldiers uh, beat him in the head with their rods, that would have been custom for the entire army to all have a shot, to take one shot at that crown of thorns on their head, which many believe that could have been up to 600 men. All struck him in the head with a crown of thorns on his head. No, no, no sane person does this for some dupe they're trying to pull on the world. He endured this because he loves us. How I many you know that you're. So he struck him in the. Another thing that's absolutely unbelievable is the scripture uh, teaches us that handfuls of his beard. Were ripped out by the handfuls as people spit on him and mocked him and accused him and, and, and all these things. Handfuls. For people to have handfuls of beards ripped out, uh, they believe that it would have literally pulled the muscles off the cheekbones of Jesus. And he endured and he endured. Now, many people say, well, I don't know about this. Listen, historians, this is an unarguable account that a man named Jesus of Nazareth went through these encounters. Are you with me? And so he went through these things and then. The scripture says that he was unrecognizable as a human. There was people who walked past and said, "I'm not sure if that's an animal or a human." And as he's in that condition, they then said, "Take this cross, put it on your back, and walk up this hill toward Golgotha, which would have been a gravel road with all of his flesh exposed, all of these things on his body. He's now got to crawl his way through gravel again." What kind of person does this? What kind of person endures this? It's somebody who's madly in love with his people and his creation. Can I get an amen? It's so unarguable that Jesus loves us and paid the ultimate price for us. Along the way, they kicked him, punched him, spit on him, mocked him. Why? Because he was looked at as the worst of the worst criminal. Anyone who had to endure and go to the cross that way, they were the lowest of the low kind of criminal. As a matter of fact, many people who died on that hill didn't even get proper burial. They actually just got thrown to a, a body pile and animals would consume them later. That's why it's one of the miracles of the prophecies that Jesus was buried in a tomb because given the account there, he shouldn't have never even made it to a tomb. Joshua, are you saying all this? This is a good, that's a good Friday message, not an Easter risen message. But I think for us to understand the weight of his love, we need to understand the weight of his sacrifice. Can I get an amen? The worst of the worst would have had to endure this. As a matter of fact, if we pulled some people from that era or that hour and they were to walk around our homes and see our crosses hanging on the wall or people wearing crosses as necklaces, they would think we're insane. Because a cross is one of the most lowly, horrible, humiliating ways to die. It would be like if we all were walking around wearing electric chair necklaces and had electric chair decorations. That would be insane because that's not something you celebrate. That's what it would have been like for them time and our savior endured that for us. That's why the scripture says that he went to the cross and he was despising the shame. He, he looked past all the shame on our behalf. That is not somebody who is sort of interested or every once in a while thinks about you. This is somebody who is in love with you. Can I get an amen? We do a lot of things to get the attention We do a lot of things to get people to love us. That's what's amazing about this story is, you know, we work really hard to get people to love us. We have... we have two 10-week-old golden retrievers in our house right now. So tons of free time, lots of fun in our house. Uh, but these two puppies, we're kind of in a competition. Like I always catch Jess, and she catches me. Uh, we're calling the puppies over, and we're trying to get them to love us more than the other one. I'm going to be your favorite, right? Yeah, take good care of you. are my favorite. And, and we're always in this competition. But can you believe this? Your creator and your savior, you didn't have to do anything to earn his love. Nothing. He loved you before you were even here. He loved you because that's how much God loves you. Can I get amen today? Romans chapter five, verse six says it this way. It says, you see, at just the right time, when you were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Notice it didn't say the one who's got it all together. The one whose church attendance is perfect. He died for you even when we were ungodly. Verse eight, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The message of the greatest story is that God loves you and he died for you in the condition that you're in. The scripture says that he demonstrated his love for us. Think about this. The one who was here before time, God loves you. The scripture says the one who created the heavens and the earth demonstrated his love for you because he loves you. The one who lived a perfect life loves you. The one who performed many matchless miracles loves you. The one who after three days walked out of the grave loves you. The one who sent you the Holy Spirit, one third of the Trinity, that God loves you. The one who knit you together in your mother's womb, that God takes the time to think on and love you. The odds of you being born, many of you have heard me say this before, is 130. The odds of you being born from conception to birth is 130 octillion to one. Those are the odds, which just so you know, that number is 130 with 27 zeros behind it. They say all of these things have to go perfectly right for you to get here from conception to birth. What am I trying to say? God loves you so much and wants you to be here. Can I get an amen? He's got a plan for your life and that's why he created you. And when chaos set in, he moved in quickly with a plan to save us. Amen. The scripture says that the one who sits at the right hand of the father makes intercession for you. One translation of that is it makes, he's making intervention on our behalf. You intervene and you jump in the middle of of somebody who you love. You get in on their behalf when you care about somebody because our God loves us. He is not an angry lightning bolt throwing God. You may have heard that the way you grew up or the things you've seen on social media. He's also not all judgmental. He has time and there will be a time where we stand before the Lord and we face judgment. But he's not all judgmental God. He's also not some God who just said, hey, I want to experiment a little bit with my power and, and make this creation and see how they run around down there. We're not God's experiment. We're God's creation. He calls us his family and he loves us deeply. Can I get an amen? We use the word love weird, though. In America, we, we don't use it properly. We say things like, I love my kids. I love my kids. But we just recently moved to Borculo. And so I often also say, I love Stromboli's pizza. <laughs> I use the same word for my kids as I do my Stromboli. We also say, oh, I love my spouse. I love my spouse. But then you get that hot cup of coffee and you take a sip and you say, oh, I love coffee. I love coffee. We love our grandparents. But on your dating profile, you say, I love walks on the beach. (laughs) We, We use the word love for weird things. But one of the best ways that you can measure love is love is measured by sacrifice. How much is somebody willing to put into this? So relationship, you say, oh, is it getting pretty serious? Yeah, it's getting pretty serious. I can tell that they're, you might use the word, really invested in this. You know, they've made some sacrifices. They started to do some I feel like this is getting serious because I can tell that they're, they're really putting a lot into this. Nobody has ever put in more for you than what God did on the cross through his son, Jesus. He's loved you the most, more than you've ever been loved. Can I get an amen? Love makes you do crazy stuff, though that's the thing. Jesus went to the cross on our behalf. It's crazy. Love makes us do just all these insane things, things that you're not prepared to do, things that don't make sense in the natural is what it kind of calls us to do. I remember we were um, camping out at my in-law's house and uh, our trailer is kind of up on a hill and then there's like a really big drop down to a pond so it quickly goes down and then there's a a big pond there and uh, it's a really nasty pond no one in their right mind would want to go in there kind of real messy and leaves fall in there so it's just really gross but it's pretty to look at so we park there and uh, we like to look out over the water um, but no sane person goes in there and so we just arrived And our youngest was still a baby at this time, maybe like a year old or younger. And we put her in a jogging stroller. And so it's got those bigger wheels. And so we get her set in there. And um, then all of a sudden we hear a noise. And we turn and look. And that stroller is going with the baby strapped in at full speed down that hill into the water. I don't know about you, but like our one-year-olds can't swim. (laughs) And so I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so my wife's there, and I'm there, and she's going into the water. And, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I, I would do, you know, this is a thing at all costs. Love would just make a sacrifice. So I did what every good dad would do. I was like, Jess, your baby's going in the water. You better get that baby. Because she's the runner. I would have done it, but she's the runner in our family. And I just felt like the odds were better of saving. But you know what she didn't do? She didn't survey the situation. She didn't say, oh, I wonder if they've performed well enough for me to execute my love and make a sacrifice here. She also didn't say, oh, but I got these shoes and I got my phone and I got my. No, true love swooped in and didn't count the cost and gave everything. Are you understand what I'm talking about today. And this is what God did for us. Everybody we said, well, man chose. God created us and gave us a choice and they chose chaos. That's such an insane argument. I would never say to my kids, like, hey, kids, don't go play. To, don't play by the road. That's a really busy road over there. If you go play on that road, you're going to get hurt. And Daddy told you. And then the kids start playing toward the road. I wouldn't turn to each other and be like Well, he we told them, we told them, don't go to the road. No, we would race toward the road to save our children. And that's what God did from heaven with his son, Jesus. He said, I know I created you and I know I gave you a choice and I know you didn't listen, but watch me come running toward you because I'm going to send my son. It's going to give me the ability to save you. Save you from your chaos. Can I get an amen? I'll close with this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse two, gives us this crazy picture of Jesus' mindset in this. Hebrews 12, two, it says this, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning the shame and sat down at the right hand of the father. He had a joy that was set before him which gave him the ability to endure the cross. Pastor, what's that joy? What's that joy? That joy is that you might find salvation. That joy that was set before him is that I know when I endure that cross, my creation, which I love, is going to one day be able to find freedom in me. Are you with me? It's like labor. Labor is really hard. And like delivery and birthing is, is really hard and really painful. So I've been told. (laughs) You guys, I saw every woman in here like. (laughs) But why would you do that to yourself? Why would you endure that? Why would you go through all that? Why would you? It's because they have a joy set before them. I know in just a moment, this is going to be over. And I'm going to get to hold that life. So there's a joy set before me. And I'm enduring this thing. And that's what Jesus did. He said, I'm enduring this. But I got this joy set before me that I'm gonna be able to bring back order. And those that are stuck in addiction, and those that are stuck in wrong thinking, and those that are stuck in all of these things that the world puts on us, they're gonna be able to find freedom. So I got this joy that's set before me, because I know in a a little bit my creation is gonna be able to hold life. They're gonna be able to find freedom in me. Won't you bow your heads and close your eyes? How do we do it? How does it happen? The scripture says that Jesus on the cross gives these words, It is finished. It is finished. Which is weird in a way, because as he's saying it is finished, he's completed what he was called to do. It was also very much a beginning, a new order. Uh, Some say it like this as Jesus was saying it is finished, it would be like somebody who lit the wick of a firework. And in their mind, they're saying it's lit. And they take a step back and they're saying, it's finished. I've done my part, but now watch what happens next. Or some say like a domino. He said, flick that first domino. It's finished. I've Completed my part. But now watch what happens after this. Well, what's the happens after this? The scripture says that the veil was torn, that a, that a new way we can walk in as, as believers, grace and, and God's blood covers our sins. Romans 8 says it this way, that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead can dwell in us and can help us, I'm paraphrasing, help us walk in new life. Same spirit that raised Christ from the dead can give you the same power to walk in new life. It's the joy that was set before Jesus as he said, I know that people are going to be able to find new life in me, new power in me, new freedom in me. The cross was a divine solution. Yes, it was Jesus' victory, but it's also our victory through grace. So if you're in here and you say, Pastor Josh, that's me. I I need to walk in that new life. I I need to find a savior, a salvation. I I need a way out of this thing that I'm stuck in. I'm going to give you the opportunity to pray a prayer. Some people call it the sinner's prayer. Some people call it the prayer of salvation. It's the same thing. But it's choosing to accept the work that Jesus did on the cross for us. Romans gives us a picture of what it looks like. Romans 10. It says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth you profess your faith and are saved. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's the biggest part of the greatest story ever told. God loves you so much that he gave you away for your sins to be forgiven and for you to spend eternity with him. And what we need to do is we need to call upon him. We need to acknowledge him as our savior. So without anybody moving around, nobody's going to come up front or raise hands or anything like that. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You're going to repeat after me and this whole room is going to do it. But if you're in here and you say, I need to pray that prayer. I need a savior today on Resurrection Sunday. You want to walk in that freedom that Jesus provided for you. Then pray this prayer and mean it in your heart. And I believe salvation is yours. Let's all pray this. Say, God, today I choose you. As my Lord and Savior, forgive me of my sins and help me to walk with you all the days of my life. I believe you sent your son, Jesus, and he died and rose again for me. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all clap for them that prayed that prayer. Well done. want to let you know we got a free gift we want to give you if you prayed that prayer It just helps you with some of your next steps it's just a a, a easy little book that you can read and keep up with but you kind of say where do I go from here that book's going to help you with those questions and that's in our prayer room just down the hallway past the coffee bar let them know you prayed that prayer we'll get you that book they're not going to try to sign you up or enroll you for anything Uh, they just want to help you out that way so go back there and meet them and say what's up to them and uh, it'll be awesome I want to encourage you all of us as we leave here today No matter how much you mess up, no matter how much you doubt, no matter how much it doesn't look like it's going your way, you got a God who loves you more than anybody or anything could ever love you. Amen? Amen.